What's up, everyone? It's Nurse Blake, and welcome to episode eight of the Nurse Blake podcast. This episode is all about Florence Nightingale, and we are going to get to the question, was Florence queer? And of course, I am here with my husband, Brett. Hey, everyone. It is the start of Nurses Week, May 6th. This week is all about us. However, they're calling May like Nurses Month. Yeah. Yeah, the whole month. No matter... If we celebrate a week or a month, you know we're all just getting some chapstick. Well, and last year was like nurses' year, so <laughs> supposedly. Yeah, they say last week was nurses' year, and now it's like, oh, we're extending it to this year. We're Allegedly. still short. We're still short staffed. We're still getting chapstick. You're gonna get some lifesavers because you're a lifesaver. Those are the. I want to know about all the funny Nurses Week gifts, Nurses Month gifts that you're going to get this year. So if you get anything interesting, definitely let me know. So we could talk about it for the end of Nurses Week on May 12th. Yeah. And it's Nurses Month. It's kind of like me when I celebrate my birth month. We are oh, in the start of go. my birth month. My birthday's coming up, May 14th. So I guess it's kind of like that. It, you used to celebrate the whole birth quarter. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you're okay. So at least as long as you stick to them to the month of month. May. Yeah. We're to good. the month of May. Yeah. May 14th is Blake's birthday. It's a big one. It's a big one. 330. Yeah. I'm so excited. I got, <gasps> oh plans. Ooh, I got plans. Ooh, I'm so excited. I I, oh, and yours is big this year, the big four zero. Yeah. In um November twenty sixth. That's right. It's coming yep. up. Yeah. Ah, big milestones. <laughs> big milestone. I'm excited. What I, I definitely want my favorite thing to have on my birthday is ice cream cake because I love ice cream. And a few months ago, everyone was making fun of me about the way I prepare my ice cream. So I microwave my ice cream. Yeah, I always thought that was weird. Really? Yeah, I'd never seen that before. I kind of like grew up like microwaving my ice cream. It's to just soften it. Like you just put it in for like five to eight seconds, nine seconds, it's too much. How cold is your freezer? I don't know. Is our freezer must be that cold? Maybe, yeah. You I mean, ever like like get a scoop of ice cream with a regular spoon and the spoon just bends? Oh, I hate that. Horrible. Yeah. So you just microwave it for a little bit. It's brilliant. I know. So I remember the first time I tried it, I put it in for like 15 seconds. Because no. I'm like, just, just for a super short amount of time, the whole thing was melted. Melted. What's yeah. your favorite flavor? I love uh, cookies and cream okay. and chocolate chip cookie dough. I like mint chocolate chip when I want something refreshing. Yeah. But my go-to is definitely, I love cookie dough and cookies and cream. Yeah. Some people, they say they actually will, if they're getting ice cream and want to soften it, they just leave it out of the freezer for like 20 minutes and then they scoop. I don't have time for If I'm going in for ice cream, like I'm going in like all the way. Yeah. I don't no have one time to wait. plans to eat ice cream. No. It is a spontaneous activity. Yes. You don't have time to wait. Some people say like um, um, the spoon, like run it under hot water and then scoop it. Yes. Is one. Well, I think that's what they do at a lot of ice cream shops. You know, they put it in the water thing yes. with the running water. I think it's, my guess is it's warm. I thought it was to clean the ice cream scoopers off from the well, other flavors. Both, maybe. But maybe it is yeah, warm. Yeah, I bet it's warm. I can never work at an ice cream shop because that is like, you have to be strong. You yeah. have to have muscles. Yeah. 
I would my like right arm would be super strong. Just my right arm. I wonder if they trade off the left and the right. But people actually sent me a bunch of ice cream scoopers. So this week for my favorite thing, uh, I want to talk about one of my amazing ice cream scoopers that someone sent me. Thank you all so much for sending me ice cream scoopers. Uh, It is the Spring Chef professional ice cream scooper with comfortable handle it's the aqua one like the blue one oh yeah it It works so good i don't have to microwave my ice cream anymore and it like will get a really good scoop can i just say please don't anyone send us any more ice cream scoopers oh we have one of entire drawer kind full we must have 20 different kinds and actually we have like 10 of one kind i think it was the the amazon recommended No, y'all have to get the Spring Chef ice cream scooper if you have problems with ice cream like me. I also got another one. It's like, uh, oh my gosh, it's like a tool. Like you stick it into the ice cream and it gets a scoop. It is like a tool. It's like $40. It looks like a staple gun. It does. It's it's got this big handle on it. And it just grabs a scoop and it's so funny. It does make a perfect ball. I'm going to definitely post about it. Yeah. If you want to impress somebody, it was like the nicest scoop. Oh, for sure. But it's a little overkill, I think. Yeah. Yeah. People are also saying like if you put your ice cream in a Ziploc bag in the freezer... And then pull it out, it will soften the, the ice cream will be softened. I think that also helps prevent it from like icing over because you know how sometimes freezer burn. Get, yeah. I actually you know. tried that. That actually worked. Cool. I'm like ice cream scientist. We could be like Mythbusters, like just on ice cream. Oh, we could do that. It was a good show. Yeah. I do love that show. So so ice cream is uh, scoopers are your your new favorite thing this week. So are we doing that every week where like you tell everybody yeah, like what you're be- into? The Nurse Blake favorite thing. I love it. That's yeah. a fun segment. <gasps> and you get to just complain about all the things I get. Look at us having segments. I know. It's like a real podcast. It is like a real... <laughs> we're on episode eight. We are in Nurses Week. Nurses Month. And so fun. I know we we are talking about Florence Nightingale. So for this episode, I am wearing my... Merch, my Florence Nightingale merch. It says the pledge on it because most nursing students, when they graduate, they say the pledge of the Florence Nightingale pledge. So that is on the back of my hoodie, and you can order it on my website at nurseblake.com if you are a fan of the queen. Nurse Flo, Flo, like me, she is the mother of modern nursing. She is the lady with the lamp. She is Florence Nightingale. Wow. Good intro. Thank you. I know. I wish she could be a guest, but... She's been your hero ever since nursing school, too. You really latched on to her story. Yeah, I definitely learned more about her when I was in nursing school, and more than what they teach you, because they teach you, like, Florence Nightingale, she's a mother of modern nursing, like, she's the sterilization and infection prevention queen, but she did so much more and contributed so much more to nursing than what we learn, and that's kind of what this podcast is going to be about. I'm going to do some reading and kind of explain to you her story and her history. We actually went to her museum in yes. England. Yep. The Florence Nightingale Museum. In London. Yes. Very it, fancy. It was a great trip. This is pre-COVID in 2019. Yep. And we learned an interesting fact about her. Maybe Florence Nightingale was queer, which we'll talk about a little bit after we talk about her bio. Awesome. But our Paris trip was so much fun. Our Paris Europe trip. Yep. Yeah. We ended up going to, where did we go? London first. Yep. We did the London Eye. That was scary, really high. scary. 
I had a panic attack, I think, in... Yeah, that's in, a big Ferris yeah, wheel. Yeah, that was a huge Ferris. And yeah. you're just, like, stuck. I don't yeah. like being stuck. <laughs> it's slow. I don't like being stuck. Like, if I'm working on a nursing unit, it's got to have windows because I don't want to feel stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, because some units, like, don't have windows. Like, what? Like, we need to see the sun. We need to see the outside. Really? And you're there for 12 hours. You just feel stuck. Yeah. Well, I know, like, the interior, like, the nurses' stations, they almost never have windows, no. right? Yeah. Some hospitals are nicer than others. And then um, what else? We did the Thames. Oh, yeah. We went on like a speedboat trip, which was really Really cool. Really cool. And then we took the train into Paris. That was crazy because all of a sudden you look up and we were going like 170 miles an hour. And you had no idea. That was, that was really cool. Under the river. And Earth. then there's so much bread. There's so much baguettes. Oh, there's so much the croissants. croissants. I love bread. Yeah. So yum. Love bread. We all have to go back there. It was a really, really fun trip. If you've never been, I highly recommend it. And you have to go to the Florence Nightingale Museum. Yes. So Florence Nightingale, if anything sticks out to you, because I talk, I do talk about her like on my tour and stuff. I get into Florence Nightingale and how she inspires me. So you know a little bit about mm-hmm. her. So if anything pops up you want to talk about, just okay, cool. it's okay to interrupt me, and uh, I'm not going to get mad today. Thank you for permission, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> you have consent to interrupt. I'm so excited. Brace okay. yourself. Florence Nightingale, the lady with the lamp, was born May 12th. She's a Taurus. Oh, boy. I'm a Taurus. It's all making sense now. Freaking out. We celebrate (laughs) Nurses Week around our birthdays. It's like incredible. So her birthday is the last day of what is traditionally Nurses Week. Yeah, May 12th. It ends on her birthday. So she was born May 12th, 1820 in Italy. And she actually got her name after the city of her birth, which is Florence. So Florence, Italy is a really pretty name. But she was raised in England and took interest in education at a young age, unlike myself, because I was not (laughs) smart until college. And then she was never satisfied with the traditional female skills of home management. She preferred to read uh, the great philosophers and to engage in serious political and social discourse with her father. And then around the age of 16, she experienced one of several calls from God. She viewed her particular calling as reducing human suffering. Nursing seemed the suitable route to serve both God and humankind. However, despite having cared for sick relatives and tenants on the family estates, because they were rich. <clears throat> they were very rich. Her family had like Kardashian money. The good money. The, good, the one money. with the makeup. The Kylie money. money. They had the Kylie money. Wow. Um, But her attempts to seek nurses' training were uh, avoided because her family said that was an an inappropriate activity for a woman of her stature. Yeah, they were like, no, 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 we're rich. Yeah, they're like, we're rich. You're not going to be a nurse. They were like, we found a suitor for you, a really rich man. And she said, no, thank you. Wow. No, thank you. I want to be a nurse. So that's what she went after. Yep. So she said she no wanted to, to help him. She was a rebel. She was. I think is the bottom yes. line. Florence Nightingale was definitely a rebel. Yeah, she pushed the boundaries, and that led Can probably you just say to her success. Florence Nightingale's a badass. Oh, she's a badass, and she's incredible, and yeah. we love her for it. Yeah. So I'm hoping you learn things from this podcast that you could take back and school your nursing professors. 
Yeah, I think there are some things we're going to talk about that most people don't know and would be quite surprised. I'm, yeah. I'm so I've been so excited about this episode. Just the fact that like she was really wealthy and yeah. didn't have to go into nursing, but she did. I think is incredible Super because cool. if someone told me. You're going to marry a really rich man. I, I don't know if I'd be, be like, here right now. Be like, okay. <laughs> well, you didn't. Okay. And then I went to nursing. <laughs> um, despite family reservations, Nightingale was eventually able to enroll in an institution in Germany for two weeks of training in July and again for three months in July 1851. She learned basic nursing skills, the importance of patient observation, and the value of good hospital organization. So her nursing program was quick. Uh, oh, real Fast. quick. Two weeks. Fast. And then maybe a few extra months. months. Uh, she also gets around. Born in Italy, right. trained in Germany, and then at some point lived in England. And this is back in the... 18. Over 200 years ago, 201 yeah. years ago, which is amazing. Did um, they have they, planes back then? No, no, oh, they did not have planes. Oh my gosh. They had wagons, basically, and, and, just boats. and walking and, wow. and boats. Yeah, yeah, she did. I don't even think there were, I, maybe there were trains, 1820? Maybe trains. Maybe trains. That's kind of pushing it. I don't, oh, 1850, 1850 they trains. Had trains. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. And so then she, Got her nursing degree. I don't even know wow. if they called it that, but she learned her basic nursing skills. I'm sure like basically what we learn in uh, foundations or fundamentals. Did she do windshield surveys? <laughs> Around oh my, Munich? that is the worst um, group project in nursing <laughs> school is the windshield. It was an interesting project and you learn a lot about community health, but when they're like, they throw a gr group work project on you, you're like, no. Well, well, they didn't have cars, so I wonder what they called it. Like a, a, a horse, a horse, ah, horse survey. Oh my they had to gosh. ride around on a horse. You're funny you. today. Well, you let me talk. I love that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> In October of 1853, the Turkish Ottoman Empire declared war on Russia. The majority of the Crimean War was fought on the Crimean Peninsula in Russia. However, British troop bases and hospitals for the care of the sick and wounded soldiers were primarily established in Turkey. So even though Crimea happened on the Crimean Peninsula, the hospitals and stuff were in Turkey, which explains uh, Sidney Herbert, the Secretary of State at War for the British government, wrote to Nightingale, requesting that she lead a group of nurses to Turkey. So by that point, she had to have some notoriety to be singled out like that. Uh, so she finished her three months in 1851 and then was written by the Secretary of State at War in 1853. Wow. Yeah. I wonder if she started in med surge. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Probably expected. Yeah. Typical. So she was like Miss Charge Nurse here, nurse mm -hmm. manager, led an officially sanctioned party of 38 women, and they departed in October 21st, 1854, and uh, arrived in Turkey at the Barrack Hospital on November 5th. That was October 21 to November 5th. That was a trip. Yeah. That was a trip. They were not welcomed by the medical officers. Nightingale found conditions filthy, supplies inadequate, staff uncooperative, and overcrowding severe, which isn't 
too far off from some hospitals today when you talk about <laughs> the overcrowding. Like some oh, yeah. ERs, patients are filled in the hallways. Like yeah. they don't even have private rooms. Uh, supplies inadequate rings a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after Nightingale's arrival in Turkey, injured soldiers from the battle were overwhelming the facility. So Nightingale, uh, as the charge nurse she was, she established standards of care requiring basic necessities like bathing, clean clothing, and dressings, and adequate food. Nightingale herself uh, wandered the wards at night, and that's where she learned her title, uh, earned her title of Lady with a Lamp. Oh, cute. So she worked the night shift. Florence night Nightingale shift. was on the night shift. That's a revelation. I love that. Yes. Th- it all makes sense. Lady with the lamp, obviously. Taurus, night shifter. Oh. Uh, rock star. Florence. She gained the respect of soldiers and medical uh, establishment alike. Her accomplishments in providing care and reportedly reducing the mortality rate to about 2%. Wow. Brought her fame in England through the press and the soldier's letter. So she became famous after her work. So what she did and what, you know, as our role of nurses to be patient advocates and be innovative and find new ways to improve patient outcomes. And that's kind of what she did. And she did that by cleanliness and learning the importance of sterilization and infection prevention. And the things that she did in the 1850s are still some of the things that are critically important in saving lives today. So if it wasn't for Florence, I don't even know what nursing would look like today because of all her work. It's That's fascinating. I mean, they... They that one guy obviously called her in because he knew there was a problem, right? Right, like the yep. medical staff within the military or whoever was running, yeah, you know, the dirty facility. Yeah, uh, they realized they needed something more, and yep. so they called on her, and then she was successful, and then that got reported back yep. through the media. So I almost wonder too if it was partly part of their plan to try to get some positive media press. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you think about it, like, yeah. they're off in some other country. So right. how did that get back to England and yep. her become this national treasure? It was, you know, it was great timing as well, because yeah. they, they obviously were, um, you know, it sounded like a lot of people were dying horribly. Yeah, yeah from, so, that's awesome. so they thought they were dying from their wounds, but actually the soldiers were dying because of the infections, wow. which lead to septicis, which leads to death. So Florence was able to identify that and prevent that. Um, and what I think is so cool about that story is Florence Nightingale was innovative and she critically thought and she found ways to improve outcomes. And just like it said at the beginning, they weren't welcomed by medical officers because they were just nurses, you know? And I think a lot of times some organizations and facilities don't really allow their nurses to, to be a part of the processes that can improve patient outcomes to this type of level. I think some people see us as shift workers because we clock in and we clock out, but we are with the patients the most. And I challenge you, whether you're a nurse or nursing student, when you are on the floors, when you're interacting with patients, always ask why. Why is this happening? Because there are Florence Nightingales out there today, you know, that could identify something we're doing wrong now and that could potentially improve outcomes, you know, around the world, Um, which is really cool. So, 
Your duty on the floor, I think, as a nurse and a patient advocate, is look for other ways that we can improve care. Because I bet we're doing things today that 50 years from now, we're like, I can't believe we did that. Do you remember we did that? Yeah. I mean, you know, every every generation thinks that, like, you know, that's not going to happen to them. But, you know, we've looked back 50 years and sure enough, we're like, oh, my gosh, I can't can't believe believe we we treated people that way. Right. You know, know. so, yeah, great, great point. And we've talked in, in previous episodes about how nurses need to be more involved in decision-making yep. processes, talking about designing um, you know, patient yeah. rooms and things like that. So yeah. being involved and, and speaking up and giving your thoughts is, um, is super important. She, like you said, she was a rebel. She shook the whole hospital system up. She shook nursing up yep. to improve outcomes. And I'm sure there was pushback. You know, oh, you're not welcome. Absolutely. You can't do that. That's outside of your job role. Right. You know? We also learned at the um, at the the Florence Museum in London uh, how nurses at the time were really thought very low on the totem yeah. pole of the social order, which is yeah. one of the reasons her family was like, yeah. "Oh, you're not going to be a nurse." They were they were down there with the sort of the scum of the earth. Yeah. I mean, it was the way that society treated them, yeah. which was which is really interesting. I mean, it it certainly has changed significantly. Yeah, it's um, a really good point. Yeah. So in May of 1855, Nightingale began the first of several excursions to Crimea. However, shortly after arriving, she fell ill with Crimean fever, they think from drinking contaminated milk. Um, Nightingale experienced a slow recovery and no active treatment was available. And this is what a lot of people don't know. From this point, she was bedridden and homebound until she died at the age of 90. That's profound. Yeah. Because I think that most people think that she was a bedside nurse the majority of her, her life. Her life. Yeah. And the fact is she was only a nurse for Short a year. bedside nurse for so long, maybe five, five, ten years. No. Maybe not even that. She long. finished school in eighteen fifty one and fell ill in eighteen fifty five. So her oh, wow. four years of experience was so profound that through her observations and research, she was able to change nursing by just sharing her thoughts and what she saw from her bed, like yeah. from her house. And we think like you need 30 years of nursing to be able to create change. But look at this story. Just in four years, if you open your eyes and ask why, how could we improve, you could shake shit up. Absolutely. Which I love about this story. She's a rebel. Yeah, she's a rebel. And I know there's a lot of nurse rebels out there. Oh, yeah, we've met I a love lot. It. This story <laughs> should really empower you, you know, and make you feel like you do have the power, no matter what title you have, no matter how long you've been a nurse, um, to find ways to improve care. So, Super cool. Love this story. I love Florence. Um, So in 1855, as a token of gratitude, she started the Nightingale Fund. And had a lot of private donations, raised uh, $50,000 in euro, and put uh, at Nightingale's disposal. She used a substantial part of that to start the Institute of the Nightingale School of Nursing at St. Thomas Hospital in London, which opened in 1860. Um, she also was a writer. She wrote a lot of books. And one of my favorite books is Notes on Nursing by Florence Nightingale. If you haven't, read it yet i highly recommend you honestly i don't like reading books that no, is like no Neither i of us try do. <laughs> i like to like order books and they just sit on the bookshelf mm-hmm. they look pretty they look pretty yeah. but i did read in totality cover to cover 
cover Florence, and cover or <laughs> cover to cover. The pages in between. <laughs> Florence Nightingale's book, Notes on Erskine. You could get it on Amazon for like $10. And it just shares like her observations and how the the big changes that she implemented were so basic in terms of like air, clean water, food, comfort. And it's really the basic nursing skills, the foundations of what we learn. And I think through her story, she saw nursing as an art and a science. And I feel today we are focused so much on the science of nursing that we're getting away from the art of nursing. And I really think we need to be able to, as a profession, more find that balance of the art of nursing and the science of nursing. So definitely, if you get the chance, read her book, Notes on Nursing. Um, And then she was honored in her lifetime. She received the title of Lady of Grace of the Order of the St. John of Jerusalem and by becoming the first woman to receive the Order of Merit. Wow. So all this is from her bio at Britannica.com, but there's definitely a lot more to her story. So if this definitely interests you, definitely check it out and read it because she is definitely incredible. But now we're getting to the big question that we found really when we were at her museum, which is never talked about. I had never heard this before, but they actually think that Florence was queer, yeah. So she was a part of the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, there's um there was some some of her own writing, right? Yeah. That kind of references it. Um I think it's not necessarily something that's uh definitive exactly yeah. what her, you know, orientation was, but she definitely Yeah. She had an interesting story. I mean, you know, keeping in mind that she traveled so much, yep. uh, and then was homebound. Sick. Um, yeah. But she wrote extensively. Yeah, she did. And and that's really what she did when she was at home, is she continued to write. I don't know how many books she wrote, but it's volumes and volumes and volumes. Yeah. She's a writer for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're not saying definitive, definitively that she was queer or a lesbian, um, but let me just read. Or possibly to- asexual. Possibly asexual. Yeah, which we're going to get into. So let me read some things here. It says, throughout her life, there is little evidence of Nightingale's sexual relationships with anyone. However, there are some indications she may have had romantic relationships with women as she wrote. These are her writing. I have lived and slept in the same beds with English countesses and Prussian farm women. No woman has excited passions among women more than I have. Woof. It is steamy Skin and hot here. Florence. So royalty and peasants. Get out of here. The Fifty Shades of Nursing. <laughs> I am done. <laughs> I love that. So um, that was just one example of her writing. But it is entirely reasonable to suggest that Nightingale may have been a lesbian. Her writing was common of the time and as such include few concrete examples of any relationships. Whether she was a lesbian or not, she was very likely asexual. There are many records of her feeling disconnected from sexual attraction and no evidence of her engaging in or even pursuing a sexual relationship, which is probably why when her family like had a suitor for her, she was like not interested. I was going to say it could be a major factor why she got into nursing in the first place yeah. if you think about it because it sounded like from her early t- from her earlier years that her family was really 
setting her up on a lot of dates. Right. Like really trying to get, you know, back then, I mean, to yeah. keep the family lineage going, you know, right. and you're you're rich. You want it, you want your daughter or, or son to marry someone that's else. Like that's like not my rich, family you know? trying to set me up with my high school best <laughs> girlfriends oh, gosh. growing up. Oh gosh. I can't. But it says no matter the combination of identities she may have held, it is easy to see she was queer. So you may be asking, what is asexual? What is queer? Well, according to the asexual Asexual Visibility and Education Network, a person is asexual when they do not experience sexual attraction or an intrinsic desire to have sexual relationships. And then queer, queerness is an umbrella term that is both an orientation and a community for those on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. So LGBTQIA plus includes individuals who self-identify as either lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, also sometimes called questioning, intersex, or asexual. So she could have been part of that community, our community, which yeah. is so cool because, you know, visibility is so important. And just learning about that, you know, um, it kind of just helps me, you know, be myself in nursing Aww. and be proud of myself and my identity. Um, and I wish she could have been a little more out and open, whatever, you know. Well, it's amazing even those writings back in the 1800s. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very well documented throughout history that um, it wasn't so much written uh, down, but there's a lot of reference to yeah. exactly the type of writing that she wrote without them really saying exactly the way they were feeling yeah. because of the taboo. For but, sure. But, you know, it's really special that they found those manuscripts and, and have, uh, have pointed that out. Yeah. Um, I wish there was more information on it yep um but yeah we were we were so surprised and yeah. thrilled when we saw we that saw at the that. museum it was really it they was had a whole thing about it about it yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a big section of the museum yep it was a, it's a very nice museum like the way they let everything laid everything out and stuff yeah it was really interesting um and what was also they talked about the pandemic at the museum which is kind of ironic really because that next year we got into you know COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it was a really great museum. I love Florence Nightingale. If you want to learn more about her, definitely, you know, get her book. I actually shared um, this evidence that she sh could be queer, asexual, in the NurseCon um, LGBTQ uh, group and everyone was shocked. No one had ever heard about it before. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not more talked about. I mean, yeah. I, actually, I'm surprised her life is not more talked about. I think a lot of a lot of people within the nursing community um, sort of skim over the details, yep. right? Because because she is a, um, you know, she's a lady with the lamp. She's yeah. a figure. Oh, she created uh, modern medicine or right. modern nursing, and then they don't. That's about where it ends. Yeah, and um, you know, and and I. I've never read Notes on Nursing, but it doesn't yeah. sound to me like Notes on Nursing is a biography about her. No. So while that's the most popular and it talks about the important work that she did, it doesn't talk much about her life. Yeah. And I think her life is so fascinating. Yeah. It needs to be talked about and celebrated a lot more. For sure. No, I agree. Um, she's incredible. It is uh, Nurses Week, and I'm glad we celebrate, you know, her, you know, during this week. So I hope you learned something that you didn't know about our girl, Flo. There's so many nurses that have done incredible things that we don't really talk about that much. Yeah. So uh, typically it's just Florence Nightingale and we skim over it. Right. You know, but I think her story is so empowering and could just show nurses and nursing students the power that they do have within their practice.
Yeah, I mean, the history of nursing is fascinating. It's touched so many. I mean, you think of a lot of these stories are based around wartime, yep. which is a whole nother piece of, I mean, we in our generation have never really experienced, right. uh, you know, that type of. Well, just to bring it back to today, I bet 100 and 200 years from now, there's going to be a lot of stories about the nurses of COVID-19, which is really empowering. And I would say this is probably one of the most important podcasts that we'll ever record. Yeah, so thank you all so much for listening and celebrating Nurses Week or Nurses Month. Uh, This week or month is all about us, not only to celebrate how awesome we are in my birth month. Oh my gosh. uh, But also (laughs) shouting out to other nurses that you work with because in this profession, we are all in it together. But I want to get to some shout outs. Dawn, she said, I swear we live in a parallel universe because I met my hubby on the internet 23 years ago. He supported me through nursing school. We've traveled all around with different jobs. I was a night shifter for six years and now I'm an instructor. Just think about that. They both had to like dial in. On the internet, <laughs> right? On the internet, that was, yeah. yeah, that was in the n- late '90s. Stop, like Prodigy with and the AOL. AOL. Uh, AOL, yeah. Funny. Um, and she said she loves us. Aww. And then Sid, hey Blake, you're the best. I love listening to the podcast. It's funny that even though I'm a software developer, I'm fascinated by nursing stories from the podcast. Keep doing you, cool, Caitlin. Love your podcast. I work as an enhanced PSW for palliative and hospice care in the home, night shift life while my sister is a day shift nurse. Katie, I would like to shout out the amazing nurses on the maternal child unit at North Kansas City Hospital, especially the NICU team. You're the most incredible nurses and just wonderful people in general. I love and miss you deeply. And the last one is Kelly. Blake, I love your podcast and videos. Episode five had me wondering about how we support our minority group nurses and LGBTQ plus staff. I am a DMP student and it's fabulous and stressful. And thank you for making me laugh each week. Much love for Maryland. This is a great question. The Human Rights Campaign, HRC, has a healthcare equality index. I challenge you to go out there and find your hospital. They should be rated on how inclusive they are of the LGBTQ plus Uh, staff and also community as their patients. If your hospital is not listed on there, you see NA, that means they don't take part. So I challenge you to speak with the uh, staff engagement team or your HR team to try to get you involved because that is, uh, is so important, not only for nurses who are a part of that community, but also for the patients. Yeah, it's a great program. So thank you all so much for listening. Happy Nurses Week. Happy Nurses Month. Don't forget to get your Florence Nightingale zip up on my website at nurseflake.com if you love her as much as I do. Thank you so much, babe. And uh, hope we get a lot of chapstick. I bet we're going to get a lot of oh, chapstick. Oh, and lifesavers. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, see ya. Bye. Bye.